We're going to hear from God's word if you have your Bibles open. Turn with me to Romans chapter 13 verse 14. Romans 13 14. I'm going to read this passage for you and then we can all read this together. Romans chapter 13 verse 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Can we read this verse together? Romans chapter 13 verse 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Amen. Let's close our eyes in prayer. Father, speak to us through your word, we pray. Enrich our lives and draw us closer to you. Give this time into your hands in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans chapter 13 verse 14 contains a great piece of advice that is, uh, that will help us to grow consistently in our Christian life. And Paul writes like this saying, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And this evening you're going to meditate to see what does it mean to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Because when he's talking, saying put on the Lord Jesus Christ, he's using an everyday analogy. Because every day when we go to work, we get dressed, we get ready. They're putting on something in us. But more than anything, when it comes to a spiritual life, Paul has an advice for the church. The advice is this, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. The reason why we have to put on the Lord Jesus Christ is because one of the biggest challenges that we face in our Christian life every day is consistency. Amen. One of, the, one of the biggest challenges is consistency. I mean, uh, there, there's a time in the month that we are, you know, passionate about God. Uh, but there's another time in the month that we are wondering if God really exists. We go through those motions, we go through the seasons where one day we feel uh, so excited in prayer, but another day we don't want to pray. We go through those times when we are excited about the word, we are reading the Bible, but one day we don't even have time to open the Bible. The biggest challenge we face in our Christian life is consistency. Doing the same thing every day, doing it with discipline. And sometimes, you know, when we become very inconsistent, we begin to feel like, oh, maybe this is not for me. I don't know if, if spirituality is really for me. I don't know if you've heard people say this. I've heard people say, oh, living a holy life, not for me. You know, being spiritual, going to church regularly, not for me. I'm not built for that. The, the reason is because often we have tried and failed. We have tried and failed. We come to a point where we think, what, what does God think of me? What does God think of me? I'm like one joker, you know, doing one thing at one time, you know, committing my life to Christ. Two days later, I'm back in the same place again. You think to yourself, what is the point of my spiritual life? And you think that I'm not made for it and this is not for me. The truth is, all of us are created to be spiritual beings. All of us are made to have a relationship with God. You see, when God created Adam in the garden, God did not leave Adam just there and say, Adam, enjoy. God came down to speak with him. God made man so that he can commune with him. There was a relationship between God and human beings. And all of us are capable to be spiritual. But the challenge we face is that when we become inconsistent, we begin to think that maybe this is not for me. I don't know if you've thought like that, but I've felt that way. I've definitely felt, I felt like, you know, maybe this is not something that I'm meant to do. 
because our spiritual life can be so challenging sometimes that it can make us feel so discouraged to a point where we feel as if we can never be who God wants us to be. If you're struggling with sin or anything similar, here's an advice to overcome. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Consistency can be a challenge. In fact, consistency is a challenge in anything, be it your studies, your work, anything. To deliver consistently is always a challenge. But when it comes to a spiritual life, you can be consistent through the help of God. You can be consistent in prayer and grow stronger in your spiritual life through Jesus Christ. Sometimes you may feel like I don't have the strength to overcome anger. But let me tell you, it is possible through Jesus. Sometimes what we do is we as Christians, we, we jump into conclusions too quickly. This is not for me. I, I cannot be like this. I cannot be that way. But I believe God wants to speak to us saying, leave all that excuses. I have made you to have a relationship with me. And when we think of the way that we can have a relationship with God, the way to overcome the challenges, the way to overcome sin, the way to overcome addiction is not by our self-control and discipline, but by Jesus himself. Amen. So that is why Paul gives a very practical advice saying, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's look at this verse and examine a little bit. And I would like you to come along with me and pay careful attention. Even if you miss out for a couple of seconds, you may lose track of what I'm going to say. Amen. Are you with me? So let's look at the context. Let's look at Romans chapter 13 verse 12. The context of this verse starts from here. And Paul says like this, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Now Paul is exhorting the church saying, listen church, the night is far spent. What does it mean? What Paul is saying is the days of being relaxed in your spiritual life, the days of giving excuses, the days of being very, you know, lazy in your spiritual life is all over. The night is far spent. What is it? The day is at hand, which means the time is coming when Jesus is going to come back. Whether you believe it or not, Jesus is going to come back. And I, and I look at the what's happening in our world today. Uh, I, I remember I, I heard about... Donald Trump, the president of USA, coming up with a peace plan for the Middle East, uh, for the Palestine and uh, Israel, you know, the you know, decades of conflict that they have going on. And one of the signs of the end time is that there will be peace in the Middle East. And whenever you hear of peace in the Middle East, you shouldn't be like, oh, finally, you know, everything is solved. No. Greater tribulation is going to come. We are, we are reaching times when it's almost, you know, we are seeing signs that Jesus will return anytime soon. And Paul is exhorting the church and even when he's writing in the first century AD, he has this idea that Jesus may come anytime soon and I cannot be lazy. Jesus may come anytime soon and I cannot be procrastinating my prayer time. Jesus may come anytime soon and I cannot play games with God. He's saying the night is far spent, the day is at hand. The time is coming when we have to be all the more committed and walk in a way that God is pleased. Amen. Are you with me? The challenge that looms over our Christian life is that when we come to know Christ, we excited. You know, like you want all we want to do is read the Bible, pray, and preach the gospel. 
I've seen a lot of new believers and they're like very passionate, want to preach the gospel. I remember you know, studying in seminary, we always start uh, in the first year, first semester, everyone is about missions, in a ministry, serving the Lord. When it comes to second year, first semester, they are like, don't, don't call me for prayer and all, you leave me alone. <laughs> it becomes like that. And by the time we come to third year, sadly what happens in seminary is that we almost lose our vision. We, we, we start with this great passion for the Lord. I remember doing all that drama in college. I've, I've, <laughs> I've, I've gone to churches, I've done you know, action song and all. You know, I've done all <laughs> just to encourage people, you know, tell them about Jesus. But I, it came to second year, third year. I was, you know, I was depressed. I was a lost soul wandering around. And it's the story of everyone. When we come to Christ, there's an excitement. But eventually, that all goes away. Eventually, that all goes away. The time of enjoying in prayer goes away. The time of rejoicing in the Lord goes away. And we, we may wonder, why am I like this? I wanted to be a certain person. I wanted to be a certain way. But why am I like this? We wonder, we think to ourselves, why can't I be consistent? The truth is this. The reason why we lack consistency is because we allow certain things to enter into our life. Let me say that again. The reason why we lack spiritual uh, consistency in our spiritual life is because we allow certain things to enter into our life. See, if you've ever watched an athlete who is running a 100 meter race, you will never see him wearing a jeans pant and running. You'll never see him wearing a sweatshirt or a sweater or something heavy. Because he is running towards the goal and every millisecond matters in a 100 meter race. And even if there is something in him that slows him down, it's going to make him lose it. So what this man allows on his body is what, it's what's going to slow him down. The reason why we lack consistency in our spiritual life is because there are certain things we have embraced. Maybe it's social media. I don't know, you know, sometimes I look at my thumb, it's always swiping left, you know. This was state. I'm like, I, I really want to delete WhatsApp off from my phone. I really want to remove, but I can't. I, I get a lot of contacts and all that, and I'm just waiting, God, I, I just want to get out of this. And the reason why we are often struggling in our prayer life is because we have welcomed certain things into our life. Maybe it's, it's just the habit of watching documentaries on YouTube. Just the habit of watching YouTube all the time. Just watching news. Some, the biggest challenge for me is I can't stop reading news. I read about Delhi, I read about the US, I read about this country, I read about that country. And by the time I see one hour, one hour is gone, I read so much that sometimes it can take over my Bible reading time. It may seem like a good thing, but it's unnecessary. We are inconsistent because of what we have embraced into our life. If you, if, you look at, if you look at Hebrews chapter 12 verse 11, it says like this, a very practical verse, it says, Since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Christian life is a race. You and I are an athlete whether we are in shape or not. You know, I'd like to think of myself. 
I heard uh, Usain Bolt runs 100 meters in how many seconds? Seven seconds? 9.5. It'll take me probably five times more or ten times more to cover 100 meters. But when we think of your spiritual life, you're an athlete. And what the Bible tells us is let us strip off every weight that slows us down. The challenge to our consistency in our walk with God is because we have something in us that's pulling us down every day. There's something in us you know, that's just dragging us down. We think, oh God, I want to do this, but just as we go to do it, there's some doubt that pulls us down. There's always this weight. And that is what challenges our spiritual growth. And what God desires is that you and I strip off everything that slows us down. See, the things that you're doing sometimes may not stop you from growing, but it'll slow you down from growing. And you'll think, oh, it's not harmful, but it's still harmful. And just imagine if you're running a 100 meter race for two days. It's like, what is wrong with you? I mean, I'm going to reach the goal, but how long are you going to take? There is a goal. And the Bible says, strip down every weight that slows you down. You always focus on the one that, oh, damages our life. But even there are things that slowly eats our life away. Amen. And we have to strip it down. We have to strip off things that slow us down. That means practically, let me put it this way. If you're in a relationship that is taking you away from God, come out of it. You see, God is the greatest priority in our life. Solomon writes like this in the book of Ecclesiastes. I don't know how many of you have read that, uh, but I would recommend you to read that book every month. It contains some really good advice for young people. What What he says is, remember the creator in the days of your youth. Very specific about that. He's not saying, oh, when you when you were just about to retire, think of God and, you know, focus on Him. No, no, no. Remember the days when you have strength in your body. Remember Him when you have all the energy working in your body. Because when you have that strength and when you focus on Him, what God does in your life is He molds you to be who, who He wants you to be. But we come to Him when we are when we ourselves are not able to walk a certain distance and we say, Lord, do something, what will God do with us? It's the practical thought. Many times, we, 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 we put God as a secondary, put God as something else, and we put our relationships first. Even if it's a relationship that's hindering our growth spiritually, we still keep it going, you know, it's okay. Maybe it'll get better, maybe it'll get better. But what we may not realize, it'll be, it'll be going far and far and far away from the Lord. If you're in a relationship that isn't helping you spiritually, time to say goodbye. You may think, oh, it's rude. <laughs> Let me tell you something. See, if, if God gives you something, if God gives you a person, if God even gives you a material thing, a material blessing, let's take it, even that thing will help you draw closer to God. See, God's purpose of giving you something is not that you can enjoy and forget Him. God's purpose of giving you something is so that you can rejoice in Him more. It's not about, see, God may give you a person and you cannot make that person into an idol that will go against God, but rather He gives you so that you can be grateful to Him and rejoice in Him even more. Many times we take from God and we forget God. Many times we make our own choice, we find the person we want and we forget God. Whatever keeps us from growing in God has to be stripped away. 
at this age, when we have strength in our body, God may not seem that important. I tell you, I, I heard this man called Andrew Clement. He's a journalist and he said that he, when he looks back at his life, he asks this question, God, why didn't I know you when I was young? Now he's about, about 50, 60, I believe. He said, right now I know God and I have a relationship with him and so joyful. And I always regret why I didn't know him when I was young. See, the, the thing that our world emphasizes is enjoy your life when it's young. Just do whatever you want. I tell you, that's the most destructive piece of advice that we can get. Because it is going to draw us away from God. But if we can strip off the weight, strip off those unnecessary thoughts, strip off those unnecessary habits and just say, Lord, I want to focus on you. God will help us walk in a relationship with Him. Amen. If we are, if you are doing some sin, some addiction, something, what God wants to speak to us is this, stop doing it. Stop doing it. You may say, how do, I, how do I stop? I don't have the power. Because the temptation is so much. I've tried it before, but I'm not able to overcome it. I keep going back to it again and again. And here's where we go back to the verse. The reason why we are not able to overcome is this. Listen carefully. The reason why we are not able to overcome is because we have not clothed ourselves with Christ. I'm going back to the verse now. The reason why we often face a challenge in overcoming certain habits is because you know we leave it but we go back to it we leave it go back to it the reason is because we leave something we don't but we don't fill ourselves with Christ let me give you this illustration let me give you this illustration turn with me to Matthew chapter 12 verse 43 to 45 Matthew 12 43 to 45 Jesus talks uh, here he teaches here and he says when an unclean spirit goes out of a man he goes through dry places, seeking rest and finds none. Verse 44, then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept and put in order. Verse 45, then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of, the, of that man is worse than the first. Notice three words here in verse 44. The spirit comes back to see. Let me check out what this guy is up to. You know, he cast me away a couple of weeks ago. And let me see what he's up to. And the spirit goes and sees what happens. It's empty. It's swept. As put in order. Now just take the word swept away. Sorry, take the word empty away. What do we see? It's clean and it's organized. But what is lacking? It's empty. In other words, he has got rid of certain things, but he has failed to fill that empty space with God. So many times we get rid of habits. Okay, I'm staying clean for one month. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm doing it. But the reason why we fall back into it again is because we have failed to clothe ourselves with Christ. In other words, when, when something leaves us, we have to say, God, I want you to occupy that part of my heart. When something leaves us, we have to say, God, I want you to take over that part of my life because when God takes over, there won't be a way for the enemy to come back. And, and see what the Bible says. The spirit comes back, looks empty. It's swept, put in order. And then the Bible goes on to say, the last state of the man will be worse than the first. 
In other words, when there is no Christ, but we are trying to stay clean. You see, the world somehow says, try to stay clean, you can do it. You can have, if you think you can do it, if you just think, you can think all you want. But you cannot make it with, with the, without the strength of God. Who gives you the power to stay away from sin? Does it come within from you? No, it doesn't. It comes from the God who has made heaven and the earth. We think, okay, I can, you know, somehow I can overcome this. But the Bible says, no. Unless you clothe yourselves with Christ, it's never going to, you know, help you stay away from anything. Amen. See, the entire passage of what Paul is writing here is, is, is he saying, casting off and then putting on Jesus. If you, if you go to uh, if Romans chapter 13 verse 12, it says like this. Can we have that on screen, please? Romans 13, 12, the context is this. He says, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us, what? Cast off. He's saying cast off. And then when it comes to verse 14, what does he say? But put on. So we need to get rid of certain things and then we need to put on certain things. What we do is we get rid but we never put on. And that is what really keeps us from growing in the Lord. I want to examine this phrase, put on, put on Christ and see what it means. And I want to explain this quickly in a couple of minutes and then we can spend some time in prayer. When you hear the word put on, you may wonder how do I put on Christ? How do I clothe myself with Christ. See, just as when you go to work, you wear a clothes, you wear your, an attire that is formal, that says that, you know, you're doing, going to do something that is, you know, a serious thing. You're not going to go in a very casual dress. When vacation is different. Uh, you wear appropriate clothes for the things that you're going to do. In the same way, in your Christian life, you have to dress in a manner that represents Christ in your life. Not literally, but in terms of spiritual. So when we look at the word, put on Christ, what it means is this. Now turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24. Ephesians 4, 24. Can somebody read this passage for me? Ephesians 4, 24. Yes, what does the Bible say here? Say here that you put on who? The new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So when the Bible is telling us put on Christ, what it is telling us is that you have to put on the righteousness that comes from God and the holiness that God enables you to live in. Okay, let me break this down. I don't want to go uh, explain too much. That, that you may miss the point, but I want to keep it simple and practical. The Bible says that you put on the new man, which was created according to God, in true righteousness. So the first thing is this. The first thing. When the Bible says put on Christ, it means put on the garments of His righteousness. I want to make the distinction very clear. Put on the garments of His righteousness. We have to put on the righteousness that comes from Christ Himself. If you look at the word righteousness, it means acting in accord with a divine or a moral law. In other words, also free from guilt and sin. When it comes to a relationship with Christ, we have to remember that you and I are made righteous. You and I are set free. The, the guilt is taken away. The sin is paid for. Everything is done because of Christ. 
And if you look at Romans chapter 5 verse 1, it says like this, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have what? Peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. If you look at the Old Testament, if you look at the Pharisees or uh, the Sadducees, if you look at the, uh, the New Testament, the, the early stages of the New Testament period, one of the things you'll see is this group called the Pharisees. And the Pharisees were the teachers of the law. They dedicate their entire life to keep up the law. Now, the Bible has about 613 commandments in the Old Testament. But the Pharisees made up so many laws that there were about 3,000 plus. Now, sometimes we think of Ten Commandments and we feel so overwhelmed. Lord, when am I going to keep one of this? <laughs> You're all good people. We think to ourselves, oh God, Ten is a lot. But these were men who were spiritual athletes of Judaism. And they used to keep up the law very meticulously. And one of the reasons they would do that is so that they can have that relationship with God. And if you go to Philippians chapter 3 where Paul is talking about his own life, he's talking about how he was blameless according to the law, how he was zealous in all his old life. But then he says, all that I know, all that I have, all that I am is useless compared to knowing Christ Jesus. In other words, no matter how much we follow the law and be blameless according to the law, a right standing with God cannot come without Jesus. You get what I'm saying? See, there are sometimes we feel like, okay, God, I'm doing too many mistakes in my life and, you know, I need to do something. And we, sometimes we will physically subject ourselves to certain conditions so that we realize our sin. We will say, okay, I did this, I'm not going to eat non-veg for one week. That's a real torture for some people, like me. <laughs> we think, oh God, I've done this, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, I'm just going to fast and pray for the next uh, 20 days, 21 days. Uh, what we are actually doing is we are trying to punish ourselves so that we can be, you know, cleansed from our sin. The truth is, no matter what you and I can do, we can never set ourselves free from sin. When the Bible is saying put on Jesus Christ, what it is telling us is put on His righteousness. The righteousness that comes because of him. See, because of the sin that we committed, there was a divide between us and God the Father. And Jesus came, took our sins, died in our place, so that now we can stand before the Father blameless. So now we can stand right before God. And do we have to do anything for that? No. We stand because of what Jesus has done. So when the Bible says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ, what we have to do is that we have to remind ourselves that I am made right before God because he made me righteous because of Jesus on the cross. Amen. So putting on Jesus Christ means to remain in the righteousness that comes through Jesus. So every day what you should do is this. You have to depend on God to stay free from sin. You have to depend on God to stay free from the things of this world that can pull you down. Sometimes we think, oh man, I've, I've stayed from sin for so long, I'm such a good person. And I can tell you the moment that thought comes to you, within the next two days you're going to commit a sin. The Bible says clearly that before a destruction, what comes? Pride. The moment you feel, oh, I'm such so good, <laughs> there is something waiting at your doorstep. But every day if you can say, Lord, you've, you've made me stay clean the previous day and today I need your grace. God enables you. And that is like putting on Christ. 
The moment we say, oh, I can make it on my own, we are putting off Christ. The Bible says, put on Christ. So every day what we have to do is we have to remind ourselves that I am made righteous because of Jesus. That I can be right because of him. Not because of who I am and what my family background is. We are righteous because of God himself. Amen. So second meaning, what does put on Christ mean? What does put on Christ mean? Second meaning is this. Ephesians 2.24 says, In true righteousness and... In true, true righteousness and... Holiness. So the second meaning to put on Christ is that we have to live in holiness. And specifically it means to put on his strength to live a holy life. See the Bible gives us this clear command in the Old Testament, in the New Testament saying, Be holy just as... God is holy. Okay? Be holy just as God is holy. And sometimes you think of holiness. You, you decide, okay, to say, okay, from March 1st onwards to 31st of March, I'm going to be holy. Just try it. Just, just try being holy. Just when you thought you made it, you'll like one, one thought will come, take over your mind, and you'll be like, God, I'm lost. Please forgive me. The truth is God commands us to be holy but he doesn't stop there. 2 Peter 1.3 says like this, By his divine power, what has God done? He has given us everything we need for living a godly life. It's not just the command that God gives, but he empowers us to live that way. That's the, that's the beauty of Christianity. It's not just about all these commandments and ordinances, but what happens is, when the word comes, it also comes with the power. So when God says, be holy, just as I am holy, what God is doing is He is giving us His grace, His power to help us live a holy life. So the Bible says God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. So in other words, God empowers you to live a holy life. You, can, you and I cannot be pure on our own. You and I cannot be clean on our own. We cannot live in holiness by our own strength. We can try but it will never last for too long. Everyone who has claimed to be like God or someone who is, you know, on another level, they have attained uh, a greater level of spirituality, often come crashing down. There's a man called Osho. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's called Bhagwan Rajneesh. At the end of his life, he said, don't call me Bhagwan. Every man who celebrates himself to be something big will realize that I am nothing without God. Every man who says, oh, I can be holy, I can be this. No. He can be nothing without God. In our Christian life, when it comes to living a holy life, we have to put on God's strength to live a holy life. In other words, every day wake up and say, God, I want to be holy. Help me. I want to be holy. Give me your strength. We have to seek the Lord because He is the one who empowers us. And I can tell you, when you depend on God, depend on His strength, when you put on Christ, your friend might come up with some, you know, slightly crazy plan, but it will never attract you. You know why? God is enabling you. He is giving you the strength to say no. By His divine power, what has God done? Given us everything we need to live a godly life. Amen. That's what putting on Christ means. In righteousness and in holiness. In other words, righteousness that comes from Him and the holiness that He empowers us to live. The strength that He gives us. 
Many times we beat ourselves down and say, oh, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough. Maybe God has already put me on the blacklist. I don't know where I am. I don't know if I'm in the book of life or in the blacklisted book. I don't know where I am. Truth is this. We are righteous because of him. We can be holy because of what Jesus has done for us. You think of this, what, what it enables us to realize is that he takes the weight of our shoulder. It takes the weight of our shoulder and it puts all the weight down and say, okay, I can be who God wants me to be because of him. And coming to a spiritual life, I can be consistent because of him. You get what I'm saying? I can be consistent because of the one who empowers me to be consistent. Many times our Bible reading, it becomes like a tradition because we're trying to somehow you know, work it out on our own. But let, let me tell you, before going to sleep in the night, say, Lord, help me wake up in the morning and pray and spend time with you. God will do that. But if all you do in the night is, you know, just watch one video after one video, one video after one video, and doze off, you'll wake up with a lot of regrets. Because by the time you wake up, the sun is up, you know, people are doing their work, and you are still on your bed. But when you go to sleep and say, God, I want to spend time with you. Can you wake me up in the morning? And I can tell you, I felt this in my personal life. You will hear him wake you up in the morning. A slight nudge, you'll say, wake up. Some days, some days the, God, God, the way God will you know, wake you up is that all of a sudden the alarm will seem too loud, louder than the normal volume. <laughs> Something will happen that God will enable you to be spiritual. You get what I'm saying? The beauty of Christianity is it takes the weight off of you and it says, God will empower you to do it. And that is what it comes down to say, put on Christ. It's no, more, no longer, Paul says, it's no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. If you feel like, oh, I'm so inconsistent in my prayer life, it's time to look unto God and say, God, help me. Is, is there something that I need to strip away? Help me. And enable me, empower me every day to spend time with you. And I can tell you, you will be able to spend time with him. Amen. I, w- I want to conclude with the story of Martin Luther, the reformer, not the Luther King who read this slave, uh, the, the protest against slave trade. But this is Martin Luther in the 14th and 15th century who lived somewhere around that time. And he's today known as one of the greatest reformers. And he was a monk. He was a monk, he used to do penance. And back in the day, penance was to a level where you may even die doing a penance. But monks would consider it good because at least you've gotten rid of your sin and you know, you're dying and going to God, rather going to hell or somewhere else. And so they always thought, okay, if I did something, I have to do a penance. And the penance was not like a simple thing, it was a severe thing. Martin Luther would sleep on snow. Even in the winter day, even when we are on a good bed, we shut all the doors and pull blankets on us and sleep. Well, here is Martin Luther. He would do penance, sleeping on the snow. Why? Because he committed a sin that he has to pay for. And he, he writes like this in his book, and I, there's a slide for that. He says in his book, uh, Martin Luther's selections from his writing, He says like this, in later life, Luther said, though I lived as a monk without reproach, I felt that I was a sinner before God, 
with an extremely disturbed conscience. We can all relate to this. Sometimes, though, no matter how much we worship God, we feel like, God, I'm a sinner. The truth is, even God has forgiven your sin. It is you who keep reminding yourself that, oh, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner. And he says like this, I could not believe that God was appeased by my penance. I did not love, yes, I hated the righteous God who punishes sinners. I was angry with God and said, as if indeed it is not enough that miserable sinners, eternally lost through original sin, are crushed by the law, without having God add pain to pain by threatening us with his righteousness and wrath. You see what happened to this man? Whenever he would do penance, he would be doing it, but at the back of his mind he would be like, Oh God, I can't believe you are so angry. I can't believe that you are so, such a God that who is, you know, has a great anger on me right now because of what I have done. He had misunderstood the Bible, but one day he came to the conclusion that this, in Romans 3.28, it says like this, Therefore, the Bible says, Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. In other words, Luther, Martin Luther discovered the truth in this Bible where God speaks about righteousness and the righteousness is the one that comes from him, not the one that I can produce. And he says like this, the moment I realize this truth that I cannot be righteous on my own, but Jesus has already done that for me. So instead of you know, punishing myself, I just have to ask God for forgiveness, seek him more. He said, when I realized this truth, I felt altogether born again and had entered the grates of paradise itself. He felt so liberated when he realized that it's no more about me. Sometimes we can make Christian life about us. Oh, I have to live this way. I have to give this much to church. I have to do this. I have to do that. It's not about all those ordinances. It's nothing about that. What it comes down to is God, His righteousness justifies me. And we have to live with that every day. That there is nothing that I can do to change or make my life better. But it's all about God and what he can do. And instead of trying to be good on my own, let me depend on him more. Amen. The Bible reminds us of this powerful truth that we have to put on Jesus. In other words, let me summarize it this way. Simply means saying, we have to take up the righteousness that comes from Jesus and then we have to live in that holy life empowered by himself, by God himself. And you, and you think of these two things, the righteousness that comes from Jesus and the holiness that he empowers us to live. What that actually does to us is that it makes us to be consistent in our Christian life. Because the reason why we often become inconsistent is because we have that guiltiness, that shame. God, I've done this over and over again. Will you forgive me? What the Bible reminds us is that he has made us righteous. We are sinners saved by grace. We still think of, oh, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, but God says, you are saved by grace. Now, that doesn't mean we can abuse His grace, but it means that even when we fall apart, we can get up and say, God, please forgive me. And the Bible says that He is able to forgive us of all our unrighteousness. Your past, your present, and your future sin is paid for on the cross. When you fall apart, just say, Lord, help me overcome. Help me forgive. Help me stay clean, and God will empower you. And that is what putting on Jesus means. And I pray that you will absorb this truth into your life and live by it every day. Don't beat yourself down. Don't fast and pray because you have committed a sin. 
such prayers are not pleasing to the Lord because the work of atoning you is already done on the cross 2000 years ago. Why are you trying to you know, work it on your own? Why are you trying to do that on your own but rather say, God, here I am, a sinner, please forgive me, help me be better. And I can tell you God will help you live a better life. If you're, if you're tempted by something, tell God, God, I'm not able to overcome this, help me. And I, I can tell you 100% and I've experienced this in my own life, that He enables you to stay away from sin. He will empower you that even when sin comes knocking at your door, you'll be able to shut the door and say, not today, devil. Not today. Why? Because you are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Amen. But the moment you put off Jesus Christ, you just take off everything and put it down. Sin is at your doorstep. It will drag you and it will destroy your life. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will live a life free, liberated and in His grace. Amen. Why don't we close our eyes, stand up in prayer.